like two in the morning. He was like, okay. Oh my god, that was so fun. It was so fun. Okay, um, I'm also bleeding dead. I'm going to try and uh, keep it different than the Parsha Shmuzes because I feel like that's cheating. Um, so we'll talk about it something a little bit different. Um, the Torah says in Parsha's Bahar, that's Parsha's Yal Bahar, <laughs> for all those, a shout out. Yeah, she, she asked me to record it. Anyway, uh, Pusik says in Parsha's Bahar uh, a couple of times that a coach Baruch calls Bnei Yisrael Avadim. Hashem is calls B'nai Yisrael his servants, his slaves, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, he says a couple of places, both both contexts within the context of Eved Ivri. Um, and the question is, right, you hear that phrase thrown around a lot, right, to be an Eved Hashem. Right, to be an Eved Hashem, we hear that phrase thrown out a lot. And the question is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, we, I feel like we grew up thinking that, that was like some sort of negative connotation, right, we're slaves, right, this almighty being came, kind of gave us these laws, and like, you know, that's my phone, sorry. Coach Barbara gave us these laws and we don't have a choice, etc. But as we get a little bit older, we kind of realize that that's not, not, exactly, not exactly true. Um, the Gemara in Bava Metzina, the Fiyod has Machogus, Turnus Rufus. Turnus Rufus was one of the uh, Roman generals at the time. Um, and Turnus Rufus was a bit of a lamdin and knew a little bit of Torah. And he said the Puzzle also calls B'nai Yisrael Banim. The Puzzle says in Banim Hashem Hashem Alokechem. Varim, may have read it last week, next week, I don't remember exactly. Um, and Turnus Rufus says, what's the deal? Are you Banim or are you Avadim? Are you slaves or are you or are you sons? Right? Obviously, a son is going to get better treatment or different treatment than a slave. So in his his way of mind, Turnus Rufus is like, oh, I got you, I got you. When B'nai Yisrael are doing mitzvos, so then they're called Banim. Then they're called sons. When they're not doing mitzvos, when they're sinning and doing whatever, so then they're called Avadim. And Rabbi Kiva said, said back to him some sort of pasuk about tzedakah. Like, he basically didn't answer the question whatsoever. And the question is, did, what, what did Rabbi Kiva right, respond? Did he respond at all? So the Torah Tzmima writes that Rabbi Kiva didn't even have to respond to Turnus Rufus because the whole concept of Banim being different or better than Avadim is, is ridiculous. The concept of being an Eved Hashem is not a negative thing. Right? It's a, one of the greatest compliments you can get. It, we can be Banim and Avadim, right, Coexistently, right? I can coexist. We say in in, in uh, right in, in Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Yom Narayim, davening, right? If we're sons, treat us like this. If we're slaves, treat us like that. But those are not necessarily right. Different, one, better, or worse. Right? Three people who called David Hashem in the Chumash. Anybody know? Trivia. Three. Okay, I told you. Moshe. Good. Um, Avraham and what? Yosho? Ah, close. No. But no cigar. Moshe, Avraham, and. No. Who's close to Yoshua? That's oh, Kalev? Kalev, correct. Yes, Moshe... Kalev, right? Very interesting. Very What, what in the world is the, is the connection between those three? I have no idea. But Kalev, Avram, uh, and uh, Moshe are called Eved Hashem. That was like, you know, the greatest uh, compliment in the world. So to be an Eved Hashem, right, is a tremendous compliment. Welcome, welcome. Who's... Uh, oh, so bad. Sorry for starting late. If I, if I thought anybody else was coming, I would have waited. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I would have totally waited. I would have totally waited. Hey, guys. All right, we'll pause the recording. Well, we'll continue in a minute. <laughs> go, go, go say hi. Go say hi. Get your hugs in. It's okay. Okay, so we started simply, 
We started by saying that, uh, that being called an Eved Hashem, we didn't say so much, just for those who walked in, we didn't say so much. Uh, we basically said that the concept of being an Eved Hashem right, is a very uh, very praiseworthy type of thing. Uh, I had a friend of mine, has anybody ever heard of uh, Omek Adabar? The band, Jewish band? Okay, it's, it's a long time ago. Anyway, so so lead singer used to sit next to me uh, in YU, uh, in the base Madrish, uh, and he was, uh, unfortunately, he passed away from, from leukemia, um, and when he was sick, he was he was sending around the emails, very inspiring emails, and he was always asking, uh, "What's my avoda? What's my avoda in life? Right? What's what am I supposed to be working on um, at this time of my life?" Right? Obviously, he was going through a very difficult time, um, but that that's the question that we all have to ask at any point in a Jew's life. We need to be able to answer the question, "What's my avoda? What am I working on right now?" Now, for boys, it's different. They should also be able to answer, you know, what they're learning right now. By the way, shidduch tip. If a guy can't answer what he's learning right now, he's not learning. Okay? But, um, but for you guys, for sure, you should always be able to answer, what's my avoda? Um, what are you working on? You work on it intensely, working on it a little bit more relaxed, or more chill. That's fine. But you should always be able to answer that question. Um, and that question is always impacted by two things. Where you are in life. Obviously, you guys being a year or two out of some. Okay, that's you know that's going to be a different answer in ten years from now, um, and it's also impacted by what point of the year it is. Uh, you know, the avoda of Adar is different than the avoda in Elul. So right now we're in a kind of a weird place because we're after Tishbav, right after Tubav, and uh, before Elul, right? Kind of in that kind of like mid space where we're kind of just not doing anything. Um, so the question is, the question becomes. The question becomes, what is uh, our avoda right now? So I wanted to schmooze a little bit about that. What is our avoda right now? Um, and as I mentioned, we'll uh, try and stay away from uh, the safe on the podcast and the whole deal, so that'll be a little bit different. Um, the first thing I wanted to mention is an unbelievable vort in shul. I heard that uh, this new rabbi by the young Israel, his name is Rabbi Daniel Rosenfeld. So he, he said an unbelievable word over Shabbos. I didn't, you know, I didn't plan to start with this, but he said an unbelievable word over Shabbos, and I really, I really wanted to share it because um, it's so relevant for us. The Pesach says, right, Moshe is recapping what, what happened, right, in, in Parshas Ekev. Moshe is recapping Ma'aven Ar Sinai and the aftermath, gold, the golden calf. And he talks about how he broke the luchos. Right, that you're familiar, right? The whole, he goes through the whole story over there. Moshe broke the luchos. Gosh Baruch Hu says it's good. It's good that you broke the luchos. The first luchos, right, were ridiculous. Right, they're made out of sapphire, carved by God. Uh, Gemara Megillah says you could see through it on both sides, meaning you could read it on both sides. So much so that the, you know, like there are a couple letters in, in the Hebrew language that are entirely circular, right? The Mem, Sofi, and the Samech. So how do you have that chiseled into stone? So the Gemara says that the middle was floating in the middle of the luchos. Right for a Samach or a Mem Sofit, they're, they're ridiculous. The Gemara says that if we would have gotten the first Luchos, we never would have forgotten Torah. Right, and then I would never have been able to reuse a shear ever. You guys remember everything. But anyways, the first Luchos were ridiculous. The second Luchos, obviously, much less so. Moshe wrote them with his own hand into regular stone. It wasn't miraculous, whatever. So both, Moshe says this expression that both of them, or he hints to anyway, that both of them were put in the Aron. Right, the Aron and a bunch of stuff, right? had the Man, had it Sefer Torah, had both the Luchos, the regular Luchos and what's called the Shivrei Luchos, the broken, the broken Luchos. At first glance, you would have, everybody would argue, I myself as well, would argue that the first Luchos were superior in every way. Right, the first Luchos were way better than the second. The Ibn Ezra in uh, Parshish Kisisa, I didn't see it inside, I looked for it, I have to find it, but he, this is what he said, I, I believe him, uh, that the, he said that the Ibn Ezra says that the second Luchos were better. 
how in the world are the second luchos better? It's because the second luchos are what we have. The first luchos are broken. They're history. They're gone. They're gone. They're, they're, they're not what we have. We don't have them anymore. Second luchos are what, what, what we have. And so therefore he says that they are therefore superior. And the Musri pointed out, and this is very relevant for, a, for an aging community, well, aging, for an older community, uh, but uh, also so relevant for, for a younger community as well, uh, is that don't look back and wish that things were different. I Meaning we're going to get to Cholish El and we're going to look back and we're going to try and do tshuva and right, try and improve, etc. But if you get caught looking back right, and get a little bit weighed down by your past, but by what could have been, so that's not Yiddish guy. Right? That's, that's not how we roll. Right, the avoda of of right now is right now, and not wishing things were different. Right, you guys are all holding however many years out of sem. I'm sure you can you could look back and wish you did this differently, did that differently. Wish I didn't do that. Wish I didn't hang out with that guy. Whatever. Just kidding. Wish I didn't. And and certainly afterwards, right after sem, right we all have these uh, after yeshiva. We all have these after you know these ideas of how things are supposed to go. And you know whether it's three months or a year and three months or two years and three months after some, so I would imagine right, it's different than how you envisioned it. But the avoda of uh, of the, of the luchos of what the Ibn Ezra is saying is that you can't regret what how things went until now. You can fix it, right? You can look back and, and work to improve on it, but it doesn't do anybody any good to live in your past, right? What the avoda is to work on who you are right now. Right, that's, that's always the avoda, but certainly right now between Chodesh Av and Chodesh Elo, before we get to Elo, before we start doing tshuva and kind of like repairing, the avoda is to think about, right, I'm working on the human being that I am right now. It doesn't help, right, if things are different or you wish things were different. We have to start with, with what we are. That's the beginning of next week's Parsha also. We'll keep it short because that's, that's in the podcast and that's in the share and that's in the Sefer. But Pazik says, Moshe says, I, check it out. I'm giving to you for you today a blessing and a curse, and he points out that the blessing is to keep the Torah and write, and the curse is not to keep the Torah, right? It's a whole shmooze. But the puzzle in the first three psukim, the word, it says the word Hayom three times. It says in the Shalom, what's with the Hayom? Obviously, Moshe is standing here today. What does he mean? Moshe gave a whole speech today. So it's been a long day. And Moshe gave a whole long speech. So the emphasis is Hayom, that the bracha and klala that Moshe is giving is, is that you have to focus on right now. Right? The only thing you can do to make sure you get bracha, not klala, is, is to focus on the here and now. So that's the avodah. The avodah is number one, to pick your head up, right, to drop all the baggage that, that you're carrying with you, right, and realize that your analyzation on yourself right, starts, from, starts from right now. Starts, starts, from, starts from today. Second thing to keep in mind is something we mentioned in the last day of the year, but I want to mention it again because it is, uh, it is very, it's always relevant and it's always good to hear it. Um, and, and it happens to be found in the last week Parsha. Moshe compares Bnei Yisrael right, to stars. Right? Pazik says, right? Moshe is saying, okay, we messed up, golden calf, etc., but don't worry, you are like the stars. And uh, the comparison to stars is very useful. Right? Stars are something we see right, from our vantage point, very, very tiny, little you know, things in, in the vast sphere of nothingness. Um, but in reality, obviously enormous, tremendous balls of energy. Uh, Rabbi Shalom uses that uh, comparison uh, to, to makes the comparison to sin, right, which is Shmuz's again. We'll have an Elul, right? That uh, he says that we view sin, the way we view sin is the same way we, we view stars, right? We don't think sins are such a big deal, but in, in reality they're enormous. Okay, that's a little bit depressing. I don't want to get to that. But this Bnei Yisrael are also compared to stars. What is the comparison between Bnei Yisrael and stars? So there are many interpretations, but one of them 
is that we view ourselves as minuscule and insignificant in tiny little specks of stars in a vast nothingness. And in reality, we are, all of us, each one of us, are tremendous balls of potential energy. Um, and we have the ability to impact worlds, as Rav Chaim writes in Nefesh Chaim, that our actions impact right, the world through and through. Chazal, right? we say at the end of davening every day, you guys don't say it, but they say at the end of davening that Talmud Chachamim Marvim Shalom Ba'olam, that Talmud Chachamim keep, right, increase the peace in the world. It's not because they're going out to fighting in the Peace Corps, it's because they're sitting and learning Torah, and that has an actual effect right, on things. So you can accomplish whatever you want. Right, you could, whatever you set your mind to, you can accomplish, um, quite literally, uh, and that's something that is very, very uh, important to to keep in mind. Um, I always quote the like to tell a story about my brother in the marathon. You guys remember the story? I could skip it if you remember it. Neely's yeah. nodding your head. Broken leg. Yeah, pretty much sprained ankle. Right, just very quickly sprained ankle. For those who don't know the story, my brother sprained his ankle before his first marathon. High ankle sprain. Walked walked into the to to get his uh, marathon shirt on crutches. And they were laughing at him. We're like, what are you doing here? He's like, yeah, I'm going to run tomorrow. And they're like, what are you? So meanwhile, sure enough, he ran the full marathon on a highly sprained ankle. And I asked him how it felt. I did it hurt. And he said, every step. So if you want something, say you can do it, right? You may, you, it may hurt, but if you, no matter what you, whatever you want, right, that's, uh, you can accomplish. Um, even though if you think it's a big deal. Okay. Um, as I said before, we're holding on uh, on a Monday, so therefore it gives me... Oh, did I say before? I don't remember. Maybe I didn't say before. We're holding on a Monday, and uh, that means I have license to dip into last week's Parsha, and also next week's Parsha. So last week's Parsha has a couple of lines. Uh, we'll talk about one of them very... Well, I guess two of them. Uh, that if you take it face value, it's kind of like you skip over it, but, but when you think about it, it's actually extremely, extremely powerful for us. Uh, we talk about a lot of the Hasidic Sherebas like to take the actual literal meaning meaning of a phrase... And take it like out of the context of the pasuk, right, and apply messages to it. So the pasuk, not that I'm a chazid shereva, but I never saw this anywhere, and I, I, I like to, I, I like to take this pasuk and kind of like use it to reinforce what we've talked about. We talk about this a lot, but the pasuk says, "Vlo saviso ival v'isacha, v'isacha." Sorry, there's fart in here. "Vlo tavito eva el betecha." Good. Okay, now you understand, right? Now, okay. "Vayitacherem kamo." Okay, the pasuk says, "Don't bring a toeva." into your house, the toeva, and because you will be cherem, you will be, uh, how do you translate cherem? Cherem is like excommunicated or whatever. Kamohu, just like it. And, okay, Moshe's talking about it, Vodazara, etc., without the context, but if you just take those words and think about it in our own lives, right, what is another, the avodas that we're trying to work on? Again, the first avoda is to remember to start from today, to not to look back, not to regret, but to start working on yourself out as you are right now. Second avoda is to not bring in any to'eva into your house. Now, I like to, in Hilchah Shabbos, like whenever I give the shirim, I like to define terms. So we're not going to define terms right now, but you guys can define whatever that means. Beisacha, wherever you're living, at your house, whether that's your house, your apartment, your room, whatever, your phone, whatever that is, you can define beitecha however you want. And to'eva, you can also define to'eva however you want. But the musr is, the message is, do not bring anything that could be considered a toeva, an abomination, something that's inappropriate, right, into your homes. Right? I don't want to give any examples, but you guys can all think about something that you probably should not be bringing into your home, daladamos, ears, eyes, minds, whatever it is. Um, you know, I say all the time, we're very careful about what we put into our mouths, but we are not very careful what we put into our, 
our eyes and ears. Um, Chavetz Chaim talks about anything that we listen to, right, enters into our ears, enters our, into, into our body, into our neshamas. Uh, again, I'm not going to spend time on fancy sources for this one, right? You guys have heard this many, many times, but sometimes the simplest things uh, pack the most punch. Uh, don't bring anything into your home. Why? Because because you're going to be chayrim, you're going to be excommunicated, you're going to be like the thing you bring in. Right, the things that we surround ourselves with, right, the things that we listen to, the things that we hear, right, end up impacting us to the point where we become like it. We start thinking about it. We start thinking like it. We start talking about it. Right, the things that we involve ourselves with, right, very often are, are the things that we become. And later in the parsha, Moshe says, right, also talking about telling Bnei Yisrael to do tshuva, he says, "Umaltem es or las levavchem." That one of the things a person should do, they should kind of take an, a, do a bris mila on the orla, on the skin around a person's heart. Obviously, a person doesn't have skin around his heart, but what I'll talk about, and as, as you might imagine, is that a person sort of builds up this resistance to spirituality by the things that they do, and that creates come like the imagery of a skin around a person's heart. So the goal is to kind of, before you even have to remove the stuff that's around your heart, right? you don't get it if you leave out Right, the toevas, the impact, the the abominations, the things that impact us. If you leave that out of your house, so you don't end up having right uh, the skin, the skin around your heart. So that's that's another another avoda for a person to work on, right? To make sure that again, obviously, we all have phones and laptops and internet. We're all using this stuff, but to to make sure that we're kind of you know before you even have to peel off the skin around your heart, to kind of peel back maybe. Uh, and maybe hold back on the things that you're watching. Well, we all know the things that we can, you know, without examples. We know all, everybody knows what that is. And you can think about at least one, you know, whether it's five minutes, an hour, a different show, et cetera, et cetera. You guys can all, you're already, you're already beyond the seminar. You don't need to be told what to do. You guys can think about it on your own. Um, okay. The, 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 the overall overarching avoda of the summer, in my opinion, now, I'm a little bit pessimistic, maybe a little bit more realistic, uh, definitely more sarcastic. But um, I have a friend who, who likes to always say that you can either you have two choices in life: you can either survive or you can thrive. Um, and yeah, yeah, my Rebbe also used to always say that you have a tremendous amount of things you can accomplish in the summer. I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I always thought that the avoda of the summer is to survive. The avoda of the summer is to get from point A to point B. Whatever you left, whether it's seminary, whether it's college, whatever learning program you're in, whatever structure you're in. I always felt that the avoda of the summer is just to get from one place to the next. Um, because, Especially at your age. Especially at your age, it's just to get from one structured environment to the next because everybody knows when there's no structure, when you're doing nothing. So that's when you have all the opportunity for all the toevas to kind of creep in and all the things you should be watching, etc. Right, kind of come to the forefront. Um, and that's, you know, that's Elul, kind of like when we start Chodesh Elul, that's kind of like when the real Avoda kicks in, right? When we start hearing the real shmuzes about doing tshuva. Um, the Medrash says in Tetzaveh, beginning of Parshat Tetzaveh, right? Pazik says, right, we have to make olive oil for the menorah. That's the beginning, first topic in the Parsha. And the Medrash quotes Pazik in Yirmiyahu. Pazik says, Zayit ranan yafeh pritor kara Hashem shemecha. The Kodesh Baruch Hu called the Bani Yisrael Zayit ranan, right? A beautiful, a beautiful olive. Well, the Medrash continues and says, I'm just paraphrasing from the Hebrew, right, that uh, why are Bnei Yisrael compared to an olive? Because of all the drinks in the world, right, when you mix them together with other drinks, right, it, it becomes one. It becomes homogenous to an extent. But olive oil always rises to the top. No matter what, you pour it in first, you pour it in last, right, whatever it is, olive oil always rises to the top. So Bnei Yisrael also 
as Medrash says, Bishasha Osim Ritzor Shamakom, when Bnei Yisrael are doing what Hashem wants, they always rise to the top. Problem is, that's not what the Pazik says. The Pazik doesn't say olive oil. And the Pazik says Zayit Ranan. It says an olive. Bnei Yisrael compared to olives. Anybody ever watch James Bond? Olives go to the... Okay, that's fine. I'm dating myself, apparently. Although I heard there are new movies, so I'm not dating myself that much. Uh, whatever. He drinks a martini with olives. My olives. Everybody get an olive and a drink. Olive goes to the bottom. It doesn't go to the top. So, so that's... The, that's that's Pasha says that's the, the simple shot in the measures. But B'nai Yisrael are saying... What, when B'nai Yisrael are doing with Tonus Shalmakam, when B'nai Yisrael are doing what a Kosh Barba wants, when we're doing okay, then we're compared to olive oil. Well, we're not. Then we're compared to an olive. But the million-dollar question is: What is Ritzon Shemakom? What, what do you mean? What does Hashem want? What does Kodesh Baruch Hu want from us? So, as as you may have noticed, Mr. Parsha, Moshe asked that question. He says, "What does God want from you?" And he said, "Just some years Shemayim. That's all He wants." Right? Kim liras Hashem alakacha. Kodesh Baruch Hu wants you. Fear is a bad translation. I hate that translation because it's like almost like something scary out of a horror movie. It's not. Kodesh Baruch Hu is not. Not in a horror movie. He's not like it, like that clown. Am I afraid of clowns? No, yeah. nobody else. Yeah, horrified. Anyway. And I never even saw it. But just horrified clowns. Anyway, so Coach Bar was not in a horror movie, right? You're Shemayim. I was a god. Fear of heaven. I don't know. That doesn't doesn't really really ring so real true for me. But I think fear is is your Shemayim is probably. Oh, you guys, what's up? Wow, it's a long drive. No way. Oh my gosh. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Are there more chairs? Yes, bringing, up. bringing up? I'm sorry. Wow, I didn't take out enough. I'm, I'm very... I apologize. You didn't think all going to show up. No, well, I, I'm very honored. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm very, I'm very honored. Um, okay, let's... Uh, so what, what's your, what is your Shemayim for us, really, like, practically? So your Shemayim, I would argue, your Shemayim for us is an awareness of a Kosh Baruch Hu. It's more like an awesomeness, you know, like, we, we say things are awesome, that's not what I mean, like, full of awe, like, when things are awful, not awful, but awful, you know what I'm saying? So that's almost, that's almost Yerushalayim to me, because we, we have a very hard time of already connecting to Kosh Baruch Hu. so, before we can get to Yerushalayim, the fear of Kosh Baruch Hu, is everybody hot, is it warm, is it warm in here? I feel like no, it's more, no, you guys are comfortable? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, before we can get to Yerushalayim, you have to actually come to respect and have a relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. So, that's what we're talking about over here. How do we have a, an awareness and a relationship with our Baruch Hu so that when we get to Chodesh El, we can start with hit the ground running, right? Right now we're in between. So Rav Chaim talks about this in Sichos Moser, and he says the things that detract from your Shemayim, the main thing that detracts from your Shemayim is Hesach Adas. Anybody know what Hesach Adas is? Hesach Adat. Hesach Adat, no? It's, it's basically, for lack of a better term, it's spacing out. It's lack of paying, staying on task. It's lack of a straight on continued involvement in something. Right? Like I'm learning and then I space out, check my phone. That's Hezekadas. That's kind of removing your mind from something. Right? We're all davening, immediately we have Hezekadas. As soon as we get to Shemot Esrei, all over the place. Yeah, I always, I always, whenever I forget something, I always know that I'll remember it. Smack in the middle of the Smack in the middle of the if I even get that far, usually earlier. I'll remember something. So Hesach Adas is kind of spacing out and not, not focusing on something. And that, says, says Rav Chaim, is, a, uh, is something that re- detracts from a Yerushalayim and our focus in relationship with that Kosh Baruch Hu. 
Um, he brings a couple of sources. He brings a couple of sources to reinforce this, and then we'll, we'll give a tremendous mushal at the end. And he says uh, that the Gemara says in, in Megillah and Davav that whenever you have two others, we have two others this year. This year is a leap year. I don't know if you know. So whenever you have two others, you have a question: what month you should do Purim in, first or second? But theoretically, Gemara entertains you should do other in the first. Uh, you should do Purim in the first other, because in Marvin and all mitzvahs, you shouldn't skip over mitzvahs. The Gemara decides, though, no, we should do other, as you know, right? Purim in the second other. Why? Why do we do that? So the Gemara says because mismach gula legula adif. It's much better to have two gulas, two redemptions. Excuse me, back to back in months that are back to back. What is that? So Purim and Pesach. Purim and Pesach are back to back, connected by thirty days. Right? There's Allah thirty days before a holiday. You should start learning the halachas of a holiday. So that's already we, uh, many have the minute to un Purim to learn some halachas Pesach, even though that sounds funny. Uh, because it's 30 days before Pesach. But that's the idea, that we want to connect to, to um, spiritual uh, spiritual experiences, and, and the goal is to keep that going, right? When you end SEM, right, you have some sort of learning program to set up, right? When right now, I don't know whether, you, whether you're successful or not, is regardless, right? We're working from today, that's where we started. Uh, but you should have some sort of learning programs, right? To get you into some sort of right, something every single day, right? to get you into L, and then getting you into the learning program that you're eventually going to go uh, to school in. Um, the Gemara in says that Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi that taught his students something 400 things, 400 times, not 400 things, he taught some, someone something 400 times, he had what's called Hesachadas, he kind of like spaced out or whatever, something took care, and he had to learn it another 400 times. There's a Gemara Ksubis and Daf Samech Gimel. Sorry, my apologies. I had to, had to check the sheet for those who are listening on this. Uh, Rabbi Kiva went away for 12 years. You guys know this. Rabbi Kiva went away for 12 years to learn. Right? He came back, heard his wife saying, I wish he would go for another 12 years. Rabbi Kiva went right back to, right back to the base marriage. Why didn't he stop in for a coffee? Because, says Rabbi Chaim, that 12 and 12 is not the same as 24 straight. And when you have continued, continued spiritual experiences, right? if you have a break in the middle, so that's going to impact right, the quality uh, of, of, of the spiritual experience. So says Rabbi Chaim, right, the parable, the mushal that he gives, is a famous mushal, but it, it's it's tremendous, uh, tremendous for us. That if a person wants to boil water, right, wants to keep, uh, right, keep the flame of Torah, you know, to, no, I'm not going to get poetic, but if a person wants to boil water, yeah, so you can't just turn it off and on, turn it off and on, off and on, right? it'll never boil. Like you literally will never get there. Right? You have to keep the fire on. So that's that's what we're talking about over here. You have to keep you have to keep the the spiritual experiences going. Um, I'm very honored that you guys, for example, decided to come out for a shear, etc. Uh, but the danger of the summer is, uh, and maybe this is a very long roundabout way to say this, but the, this, the danger of the summer is taking off too much time, is, is having too much time between uh, holy experiences and the holy pursuits. So the question simply is, how do we get it back? Now, I'm not saying you guys took time off from spiritual pursuits, but I would imagine that there was some downtime Right, in the summer, that causes you guys to have some sort of hesachadas, right? To kind of maybe not think about a kosh bark over a few minutes. So how do we get it back? Uh, so th- this is also something I mentioned at the end of the year, but also something that is tremendously, tremendously relevant. Uh, and the answer is it, that it, the devil is in the details. Uh, the little decisions that we make on the day-to-day, right? We're not going to start, uh, you know, deciding to go off to Kolel and whatever, if there's such a thing. No, but uh, we're not going to go start learning 12 hours a day. Right? The little decisions that we make, right? the little details that we skip in Yiddishkeit, right, are what helps us get back. Right? The Gemara, we've quoted before the, the Gemara in Shabbos, in Gemara is also a Nida, in Dafi Gimel, that 
basically, I'll just quote it because it, it's it's powerful the way it's written. Rabbi ben Elazar Omer, Rabbi Chilfa bar Igra, Benuri, those Amoraim say, Hamakari begadiv bechamaso. If someone tears his clothes in anger, Hamishaber kelev bechamaso, or someone who breaks a kli, breaks a utensil in anger, Hamafazer maosav bechamaso, or someone who spreads out money right with in his anger. That's not like this. Yeah, someone who rips out money and throws it away. It should be as if you worshipped idols. How does that work? So the Gemara explains the famous line: Shikachi umnaso shal yitzhara. This is how the yitzhara works. Right, today he tells you to do this. Tomorrow he tells you to do that. Until he says, go do Vodazara, and the guy goes and does a Vodazara. Meaning one thing leads to another. Right, the, the big of errors that people violate, it's not just, it's not just like that. Right? There's a buildup. There's always a process. Right? Things don't happen overnight. Right, so if the if a person pays attention to the little things, to the little easy things, that's Akev Asher Moon, that's the first Rashi, second Rashi, uh, the things that we step on with our heel, the mitzvahs that we step on with our heel, if you do those, then Akash Baruch promises endless reward. All the reward at the beginning of Parshas Akev is if we do the little things, right? And that's and that's and that's what's what will help us get back on or, or continue on the path, right? And ironically, those decisions are often very much harder. Right? Much harder to do, right? A person would tell you if you want, you know, let's go on a, I don't know, go to Aruba for Shabbos or something. So you, know, you can imagine that's not going to be such a spiritual journey. But if a person says, let's just use our phone for five minutes on Shabbos, that's that's much harder. That's very often that much, that's much harder. Uh, you know, if a person says, let's go, uh, you know, move out to to Vegas or whatever, and never keep Torah or Mitzvahs ever again, you'd probably be like, mm, not so down. But you know, if you'd uh, if you'd skip Robbie Herman's year to binge a show on Netflix, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you did, but I apologize if you did. Anyway, if you would skip this year for whatever reason, or somebody else's year, so that uh, okay, no, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. Um, it's the little things. It's the little things that are that are that are what keep us going, right? Again, the small things in and of themselves are not such a big deal, but when you put them all together, right, that you can end up going down that road. And that, that's the way you do something is the way you do everything, as a friend of mine likes to say. So that's that's the advice that I have for you guys. What do we what do we cover so far? We covered living in the here and now, right? Not regretting right uh, past decisions or past actions, but right working on the person that you are now. Uh, we talked about that everybody is a star. That you can think literally, quite literally, right? Benesrael compared to stars, right? And we are tr- we have tremendous energy. We have ability to change ourselves to do whatever we want. We talked about what else? Remind me. Do I have to flip back? Because <laughs> I don't remember. That's very bad. I was just here. What? Ah, oh, we talked about Yerushalayim. We talked about not bringing toevas into whatever into the house. We talked about Yerushalayim. Uh, we talked about getting continued, right? Not having hesachadas between Yerushalayim, right? Not having, uh, not kind of losing, losing track between uh, keeping spiritual experiences uh, together. Um, and we talked about the devils and the details. Right? The devils and the details, right? That's how we that's how we go right there. I heard um, from Ravari Libwitz that if a person wants to work on uh, on themselves, so you don't have to like start doing these big avodas, right? You should, the avodas should just be right. If you want to work on, let's say, your your your, your taifas or, or your listening to you, it's a So just don't eat one thing a day, not like dinner, like 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 a Milky Way or something, or like or my mom has yodels and like. Oh, 
<laughs> love yodel. Love, anyway, the frozen yodels. Yeah, yodel? Oh, uh, Drake's case and stuff like that. No, you guys don't have that? Oh, yeah. Ashkenazi food. Don't worry about it. It's okay. No, it's, I can show you. I can show you. It's like a cake. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Ring ding, ring dings? No? Twink, sure. Twinkie? Sure. It's like a Twinkie-like type stuff. Something like that. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so he says, just to finish up, guys, just to finish up, he says, if you want to work on your ability to resist the Yitzhahara, so just don't eat something, you, a snack you want to eat every single day. You'll be fine, right? And your ability to resist, right, your willpower right, will be built up. So that's A. And B, um, set aside a little bit of extra time for le- to learn it. They asked Rebbe Salanter, right, a guy came to him and said, Rabbi, I, have a, I got five minutes a day to learn. Five minutes a day, what should I learn? You know what he told him? You should learn Musa. Because then you'll realize you have a lot more than five minutes a day to learn. <laughs> when we're waiting for a bus, when we're driving, when we're whatever, when we're waiting for a shear to start. No, I'm just kidding. Whenever you, you believe me, you can you know get those less than a day type things. They have all these podcasts, all this type of stuff. You can learn five more minutes, maybe ten more minutes a day. Right. So if I leave you guys with two, those are the two messages I would suggest. If you want to pick something very small to work on right now, so learn a, a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit more. Right. And uh, and hold off on that extra Reese's. Just one. The second one you can have for the first one. <laughs> and then that will work on your meat as well. All right, guys. Thank you so, so much for coming. It's really great to see you. Um, please stick